Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, you guys, you can have a seat. Happy Father's Day. Some of you hopefully might be surprised right now, like, oops. So, yep, it's Father's Day today. So, thought I would start us off with some good Father's Day dad jokes. So if you're gonna have to fake laugh, just you know. So just prepare yourself. Yeah. These. All right. Let's see which one I want to do here. I don't know if I want to start the service off. It could ruin the. All right. Here we go. Ready? When does a dad joke become a dad joke? When it becomes apparent. How many of you? How many of you knew that? Nobody knew that one. There was no laugh. It was like, ah, ah, ah. Um, oh my God, this one's super cheesy. What did the daddy buffalo say to his son before he left for school? Bye, son. Ah, little, those of you that are, boo. <laughs> okay, I won't do any more. I just got booed, so. All right, there you go. Happy, happy Father's Day. Um, it's been a great weekend uh, for uh, our church and for us. Uh, we went down yesterday um, to Mexico to the Tijuana Christian Mission. And so we went down to Rosarito, had a great time. And uh, they always appreciate uh, our su- uh, support. And so uh, the group, we took them, I don't know if you're going to be able to see it, but so we just took a quick picture. I know it's kind of hard, but that's about the size of the group that was there. Um, really, really fun. And uh, Got to play games with them. So just you know, the church bought a bunch of games. What's the one we throw it in the hole? The cornhole. Yeah, we bought a bunch of. They love that frisbees. They love that. We bought them a few soccer balls. So just you know, that's kind of what your money went towards. And then we just got to hang out with them, have a, a good time. I know that more and more of us are starting to sponsor. For fifty dollars a month, you can support a kid. You can go on our website, figure out how to do that. And there's more and more of us that are doing that. It's really special, just you know, when you do it because it creates this really intimate relationship as far as encouragement and they love it they get excited so i got to take a picture uh of yuvia and so that's her right there so uh christine and i are sponsoring her and uh it's just really cool because they get super excited they feel like they're like connected to you i I was outside uh cooking the hamburger we made cheeseburgers so we always try to do like american food because they always get mexican food from church groups you know it's like maybe they want to try it so they had lasagna last time we did cheeseburgers um but it was cool because she goes um my sponsor is making cheeseburgers for everybody, like I was bragging, you know, that, that my sponsor is making cheeseburgers and stuff like that. And so I uh, just encourage you to get involved. Again, it's a great way to not only support schooling, uh, the orphanage as far as just being able to take care of, they do dentistry, all that kind of stuff for these kids. Uh, spiritual, physical, emotional, they do counseling. Uh, so that money goes a long way, but also the relationship's really cool. And so, yeah, just want to show you a picture of that. It was really, really fun, really cool day. Uh, I want to remind you next week, looking forward to it, uh, we're going to uh, have a baptism for Chloe over here, So, and her hubby is back in town, which is awesome, so he's been out training for Border Patrol, uh, so they're going to be actually moving out pretty soon, and so it's been a privilege to have them part of our church family, so we want to really support her, encourage her, and also it's going to be a little bit of a mini send-off too, so 
Uh, I'll let you know. I'll probably email the church, let you know about We might do lunch afterwards just to be able to hang out for a little bit. So that's, that's next week. So looking forward to that. Um, before I pray today, just to focus you in, um, every time we open the Word of God, it's important. But today's really a cornerstone. If you don't understand forgiveness, you will never understand God, yourself, or relationships. It's that important. And I think it's one of the most misunderstood words. And it's also one of the most difficult things we can do, right? Uh, and whether it's giving forgiveness or for some of us who don't like receiving forgiveness. And the church, we've got to be much better at it. Because if we're going <laughs> to, I'm already getting amens, right? Uh, the world will not show us how to do it. We need to lead the way because then we're going to truly show who God is. But we got to make sure that it's true forgiveness because there's also false forgiveness. So we're going to really look at that. So I, I, I'm glad you're here. Uh, get out the distractions. I think this will change your life, not only your relationship with God, but actually your relationship with people. If you do this well, your relationship's going to go really, really well too. They won't go perfect, but they'll be able to be repaired and recovered. Jesus. Thank you that you are a God who uh, defines things, shows us things that are important for us. Uh, you do not uh, like to sit there and uh, sugarcoat things because you know it's the truth that sets us free. And I'm just thankful, Lord, that uh, you are a God who forgives. You actually love to forgive. And you want us to learn how to do that because it really is what the world needs, but it's what we need daily in our relationship. And so I just pray you give us minds to understand I pray that if there's anybody here that we're struggling with it, our hearts are really hurt, there's a lot of anger, um, or there's a lot of confusion about it, I just pray there'd be just peace and real clarity today that would really just almost excite us to say, this is how I want to do life. And so I pray you would give us the wisdom and you would give us the insight that we need today. Speak to us personally, Jesus, in your name. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7, just so you know, we're cruising through Luke, and um so we're going to be looking at a passage and just we're going to jump in verse 41 and read to 50. So about nine verses. But I want to give you some context of this passage before we jump in. Um, remember, everything in the Bible is written with a purpose as far as these, these are the uh, most important aspects of Jesus' life that we need to understand. Uh, John says that if we were to write everything about the life of Jesus, there wouldn't be enough uh, room in libraries around the world. So just, you know, these are like the top stories. These are the these are the, uh, you know, the Instagram shots. These are the, the these little pictures that this is what's most important, right? You take a picture for Instagram or something that you're like, I want to highlight this, right? You don't take a picture, or you, at least you shouldn't, you know, every minute of your life, right? There's certain things you want to highlight. That's really what the scriptures are. So it really shows how important this passage is and what Jesus is going to be saying today. Uh, Jesus is invited into the home of a Pharisee. That's just a religious leader back then. But Jesus came because uh, a lot of times, I don't know if you notice this in life, religious leaders get it wrong. They like to implement their own opinions. They like to implement extra rules, uh, whether to be in control or out of fear that you're going to do something bad. So they like to add on to what God um, has uh, given us. And uh, so Jesus is like, you know what? Rather than man or woman speaking for God, how about God speaks for God? How about that? You just hear it from his mouth rather than from some guru. And so these guys, though, were really uh, burdening the people that they were leading, which leaders can often do, too heavy-handed. And what was brutal about it is that they couldn't even live up to the very thing that they were saying that the Jewish people should do. 
but they were held in high esteem. All the Jewish people thought they were super spiritual and like whatever they say goes and just, you know, and they had this appearance of being really holy, so maybe they are. And Jesus kind of exposed them as far as their hypocrisy. So they invite him in because they want to trick him. Uh, they want to treat Jesus like a argument rather than a savior. You know, people that love to debate Christianity, let them live it out. I remember in college, Christians love to debate Christianity. I'm like, how about we just work on living it out rather than trying to debate everything and see who's right and all that kind of stuff. So that's what these guys, they love to debate. They invite Jesus in. And in the middle of it, a woman comes in and starts pouring perfume on the feet of Jesus, starts crying. Okay, so the setting, just so you know, uh, first of all, you're like, that's weird. Like, if you had someone over at your house, it'd be weird if someone just walked in the front door, right? And started pouring perfume. You're like, that would never happen. Just so you know, I don't know if you've seen pictures of like, you know, the uh, the Middle East or picture, old school pictures of how homes were. It was kind of like apartment complex, but not with the locked doors. People would come in and out. You could actually listen through windows. They didn't have the glass pane. You could actually listen. And so when Jesus was invited over, people knew he was a teacher. So they would crowd around a house and things like that. So it's a little more like private and public space mixed together. It's actually still that way. They're very hospitable in the Middle East. And so kind of more open door policy is how they kind of live. So Jesus goes in the house. People are listening. And this woman, we don't know if it's just the words of Jesus or she's been following him. But something breaks in her heart. Uh, perfume back then, just so you know, it's not like today where you get a bottle, you know, and you can buy it for $5. Perfume was super valuable, super valuable back then. So she was taking what was most precious and pouring it as an act of just submission of just saying, I give everything to you. And Jesus knew this. But she's doing this. And the Pharisees were offended. Why were they offended? First of all, they're probably offended as far as um, the passage says that this woman kind of had a reputation. And so no Pharisee would hang out with what they perceived a sinner. So just like in the vicinity, like literally they'd walk on the other side of the street, they saw a man or a woman that they, they would say is unclean or a sinner. Right? The other thing too is that men and women really didn't touch that way in that society. That's kind of a no-no. And so there's clear boundaries. So the fact that she was touching Jesus' feet and pouring perfume and crying was just kind of like beneath them, like, oh my God, get your stuff together. Sometimes we can see that, right? Maybe during worship or maybe in connection groups, you see someone and, oh, come on, control your emotions or, oh, I feel bad, get your stuff together. And Jesus is going to show sometimes it's better to know that your stuff isn't together and for other people to see it than for you to show up to church and act like everything's together. Here we go. So Jesus notices this and says, he talks to Simon. Simon is a Pharisee. He says this, verse 41. He goes, I'm going to share a story. And you know, whenever Jesus shares a story, he's got a massive point, right? When Jesus is like, I'm going to share you a story, there's a point. So listen, he says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. 500 is about a year to a year and a half worth of wages, depending on where you're at. That's a lot. That's big indebtedness. So whatever you make, Imagine owing someone what you make this year and they want payment. You'd be a little nervous. You'd be a little stressed. And he said, and the other person owed 50, which is, you know, maybe about a month. Okay, it's doable. You wouldn't be stressing out as much like, okay, I could pay it off in a year. You'd be like, I'm in a hole I can't get out of. So he's given an illustration here, right? Two people. One is in a deep hole. They can't get out of it. The other one's like, ah, I feel like I can kind of get out of it. He says, neither of them had the money, though, to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. So if you had a month's salary, it's like, okay, 
I, th- I think I could have paid it back, but okay, I, I, th- I do feel better. A year, you'd be like, thank you, sweet baby Jesus, right? You'd just be like, you go to, Jesus, I'm going to go to church every day. I'm never going to sin, or at least for a couple months, you know? You'd just be like, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? A whole year. So he says he forgave both the debts. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon, and I know Simon at this point is like, crud, because they've seen Jesus do this, like, this is not going to go well. So he's like, I suppose, you like that? I suppose, this is, he doesn't really want to, he's like, this is a setup, right? I suppose the one who had the uh, bigger debt forgiven. He said, you have judged correctly. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, notice the scene. He turns to the woman who's feeling incredible shame, who the message of Jesus that God loves you and that God's forgiven you, what she hasn't heard her whole life, what she's heard is God judges you, stop sinning, and if you don't stop, there will never you, you can never get out of it. This burden of, I'm part of a nation that loves God, but I'm on the outside. I can't be good enough. And she has the Son of God looking at her. I mean, powerful moment, right? But he looks at her while speaking to him. I don't know if you have a parent that does that, right? Or someone that does that, right? Where they're looking away from you, but they're talking to you. Usually that's not a good thing, right? And so that's the scene. And he turns towards the one that said to Simon, do you see this woman? And I wonder if he's looking at her. And he really wants her to say, do you see this particular woman? Every story Jesus giving you an illustration of who God is. He sees every man and woman. He looks them in the eye. Part of the difficulty of forgiveness is there's a lot of intimacy that's difficult for us. Most of us, if not all of us, struggle with intimacy. That sense of those awkward moments or like working through something. It's like, ah, we don't want to look, you know, have you ever seen someone that's in trouble? They don't look you, right? Don't look you in the eye, right? And God has no problem with intimacy. He loves looking into our souls. Being like, let's get rid of all the crud that this world deals with. Let me look you in the eyes. He says, do you see this woman? I came into your house, but he doesn't look at him. He's looking at the woman. But I came into your house, talking to Simon. You did not give me any water for my feet. Here comes a prophet. Here comes someone very popular. It was... Um, it was an obligation. This was normal to wash your feet. Again, I've been to, to India out in the boonies, like out where they haven't seen a white person ever, right? We've been out there. Normal. They don't know me at all. The kids come up and they rub my skin because they're like, why is it so white? <laughs> like, you know, they're, having, they're like, what? who is this? What's the first thing they do? Invite you in the house, give you their food, no matter how poor they are. They will boil something. They will make something. Very hospitable. So this guy's like, didn't do anything for Jesus, who's a guest of honor. He didn't pour water for his feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You see how awkward that is? Right? It's like, come on, grow up. Stop doing that. Get a hold of yourself. Sometimes we could think that way about people. But God's saying, be very careful. They might be closer to God than you think. Because when we act put together and thinking, I don't need to give much to Jesus because I already have a lot, that's almost a more dangerous position than someone says, I have nothing and I have nothing. And I'll wash your feet with my hair. And that's hard for us. He says, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not 
stop kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins... The thing about forgiveness and the thing about God, just so you know, is he doesn't sugarcoat anything. And you can't have true forgiveness if you're sugarcoating things. He didn't say some of her sins. He didn't, he didn't say, like, she's not that bad, you're worse than her. He's like, her many sins, and he's still looking at her. I recognize your many sins. I recognize that you've been unfaithful, that you've been participating in secretive, dirty, dark things. I'm going to recognize that. Let's not sugarcoat it. Well, I don't want to feel that shame and guilt. We need to. We need to understand the depths of debt we are in debtedness to God. So he doesn't shy away from that. Again, it's, it's the truth that sets us free. And so he says, I tell her her many sins, but they've been forgiven. Just so you know that Greek word forgiven, it just means that paid in full. It means that you're indebted and that Jesus paid the price. You don't have to pay for it. Because he says all sins, all sins. So you might have your ranking of your top five. And of course, you're not in the top five. Other people are, right? He says all, all sins, the consequence is death. It's just the way it is. It's been forgiven. So you don't have to be scared of death. You don't have to wonder about it. You don't have to be fearful of it. You don't pay for your rebellion. And so he says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. He's given an insight there. He's saying, how do I know if I lack forgiveness in my life? Well, you lack forgiveness because you actually have, not only can you love little, but you've received very little love from God. You think those two things are tied together. How do I know if I've received the love of God? Because you give out the forgiveness of God. You understand the depths of which you've been. And so you judge other people more correctly rather than, so you judge yourself on your worst day and them on their best day, rather than judging other people on their worst day and you on your best day. There's a humility there. And he says, Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this to even forgive uh, sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Powerful passage where Jesus wants to illustrate what is forgiveness, and we're even going to look at uh, today about what is the process of forgiveness, that we have a clear understanding of it. And we get rid of those misconceptions so we can clearly understand what it is and how important it is in our lives. So, the power of forgiveness. Here's the power of it. This is why it's important. It's the clearest way or a clear way to verify our salvation. Ooh, this is going to get controversial, right? It should be for some of us. Wait, do I need to verify my salvation? Aren't I saved by grace? Right? No works. I don't have to work for it. True, you don't have to work for it. Jesus gives it to you as a gift. But that gift should show fruit that you've received it. So if I, if I get something, let's say someone, you give me a, a, a plant, right? I can acknowledge the plant being like, hey, that's a great, that's a great plant. But I don't know if I've really received it. I put it in the ground and that plant should begin to grow. Like you can tell if I received it or you show up and it's like, I don't see the plant anywhere. Oh, I threw it away. There's a difference between salvation being acknowledged 
versus salvation being received. And so you don't work for faith, but we should see fruits of our faith. If we lack fruit, that should be a, something where I need to reevaluate, have I really received the forgiveness of God? Now, which fruit do we do? Well, if you read the Bible, there's certain fruits that are saying, hey, this should be a part of your life. If you're a Christian, the fruit, not you're working for salvation, but the fruit that you have salvation. Look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, 14 through 15. He says, if you forgive other people of their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. I was really trying to find a way, like, how could I, like, twist this passage or make it a little bit more, you know? It's like, it's one of those, honestly, as a pastor, you read that, you're like, ah, how could I soften the blow? How, how could I, this is, because honestly, this will be a turnoff. The, the, the title of our series is a, uh, a God, um, God for All, right? Is that on the God for All? And I want to encourage you this. He is a God for all, but not a God to all. He is a God for all. He loves the whole world. That's why he sent his son. But is he a God to people? That's part of their decision that they want to receive. His forgiveness. How do I know? Over and over, the Bible will say, you guys, Here's a great way for you to know. Do you forgive others or you refuse to forgive? Saying, I will, and what does that mean? I will hold things against them and they will pay the price. Now, at that point, some of us are like, oh, crud, are you calling me out like I'm not a real Christian if I struggle with that? Or something like that? No, 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 I'm not saying. What I'm saying is when you struggle to forgive others, you should go back to your walk with God because there's maybe some kind of a disconnect between you and Jesus. That's all I'm saying. If I have a disconnection here, usually that means I have a disconnection there. That's all I'm saying. And that's what Jesus is saying, saying, hey, this is a, this is a big deal to God. Like if we do the church thing every week and we do our whole and we do 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, but you don't get this, we miss the boat. You got to get this. And why is forgiveness hard? Because it's usually hard because usually those people are close to us that we have to forgive, right? Right? A brother, sister, a parent. Someone at work, a friend, been a friend for 10 years, all of a sudden they do something and it just, just wrecks us, right? But the Bible says, listen, if you've been forgiven a lot in your life, then you're going to love deeply other people's lives. But if you think I haven't been forgiven much, then you don't think you need to give much to other people. Forgiveness is kind of the, the blue check mark of Twitter, right? Where it verifies, right? Who people are. I'm not even on Twitter, but I just heard about it, right? <laughs> but you guys see that blue check mark, right? That people are super popular. The blue check mark. It's like it, it verifies they're really who they say they are. Forgiveness, what I want you to think about imagery wise is that's the blue check mark of I am a Christian, of who I, I really am a Christian. It's there. And when forgiveness is lacking, that puts us in a difficult, difficult place. And I want to encourage you with this. Forgiveness is not a test if God forgave you, but did you really receive it rather than just acknowledging it? I think that's the test. The, the verification is, did you really receive the forgiveness and understand how much he's forgiven you? Because when you do, boy, when, when he's forgiven you of that debt, again, that person that just, let's say they make 60000 a year, and that person says, listen, there's no debt. It's paid off. Don't worry about it. If someone owed you 5000 do you really need to be freaking out about it? Or can you be like, you know what? 
I just made 60,000. <laughs> Don't worry about that 5,000. And how arrogant and hypocritical of the person that is forgiven of that yearly salary, but then goes and says, you owe me a hundred bucks. You, you owe me for hurting me. You owe me for talking crap about me. You owe me for uh, offending me. So that's the first thing within this, this passage. We see that forgiveness is very powerful because Jesus says, listen, it really verifies your salvation. And this woman was more saved than these religious leaders because they, like, they love to deny forgiveness and to shame people and to get revenge. And this woman clearly understood the depth of her forgiveness. Now that's the power of forgiveness. What about the process of forgiveness? What's the process? Because this is important because this process must take, take place in our relationship with God, just so you know, to have a relationship with God. And it also is important to really have good forgiveness with other people. This process is applicable too. Two things I want to talk about. The first one is this. It starts with a ready and willing heart. It starts with a ready and willing heart. Aiden, did I put all the Bible passages in there? I just It just hit me. because People look confused when I'm reading. I'm sorry, guys. No Bible passages, but so just listen. Uh, sorry about that. All right. Thank you. One person, the rest were like, no, we don't. No, we don't. We haven't heard the full talk yet. Maybe we don't have to forgive them. So maybe write these passages down or we listen to the sermon on, on YouTube, but... I'm going to read a lot of Bible passages, and I, I want, I hope I always let God speak for God, and I don't put my own bent on it. I don't think that's healthy. And so I, I'm always trying to do that as a pastor, just so you know, to really serve you well by saying, This is the voice of the Lord. I want you to hear directly from God. And Psalm 86 5 talks about this that forgiveness starts with a, a ready and willing heart, and that's from the person that's been hurt. Psalm 86.5 says this, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. God is always ready to forgive. He's ready. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. He's ready. He's abundant in mercy to all who call upon Him. What makes God amazing is He's so loving. And why is He so loving? Because He's ready to forgive. Well, I think a lot of times we're very slow to forgive. We're not ready. We struggle with that. And the forgiveness of God, what it does in your life is it prepares you to say, whoa, I've been forgiven so much, it should, it should make us ready to forgive people rather than to hold something against them or to want revenge or to actually applaud the consequences of their life. Sometimes we can lack humility there. And so it starts with, is there a person that's even ready and willing uh, Matthew 7, 3 through 5 talks about this, a popular passage. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 talks about how do we get to this place. And one of the ways is to make sure that we evaluate our own lives more than we evaluate other people's lives. And this is something just so you know that's really worked in my life. To where how do I get ready to forgive people? I would say constantly remember how much God has forgiven you in order to consistently forgive other people. And when I lack evaluation of my life, I usually lack forgiveness in other people's lives. So I forget how much I've been forgiven. That's the hardest part, just so you know, being, I've been a Christian for um, almost 30 years. And the hardest part is I tend to forgive how much I've been rebellious. And then I take 
tend to take pride in, well, the last five years and the last ten years, and, and I go down to Mexico. It's just, and it's just natural. Like, I don't have to think about it as a Christian. I, just so you know, my biggest prayer as I get older is it's easy to wander into hypocrisy. It really is. And to become a crusty old Christian. It, it, it's easy. I don't have to work at it. What I have to work at is remembering I'm a sinner saved by grace and that the debt I had to God was huge. And that way I, I stay gracious with others. That, that's, that's my biggest struggle. So here's a way to work on is Matthew 7, 3-5 says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? You guys remember the passage, right? Someone has a little bit of, little something in their eye. And he goes, why do you pay attention to it and look at it, but pay no attention to a huge plank in your own eye? He's using hyperbole also, uh, obviously, right? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye. You got something in there when there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Now he doesn't say don't take the speck out of their eye. He's not saying that. Oh, we should never tell someone if there's something wrong with their life. We should never tell someone if there's sin in their life. No, no, no. That's a very unhealthy church, just so you know. And churches tend to do that because we live in an easily offended culture. Hey, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. Don't ever call anything out or I'm going to leave that church. And we don't want people to leave church, so we'd rather just shut up and act like everything's okay. And the Bible's like, uh, no. But don't be a church where you're a professional sin catcher, right? You like to go around and find everybody's sin. The Bible's like, slow down, Rambo, right? Doesn't say in those words, but that's what he means. He says, he says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We first have to start with ourselves. And when we have consistent evaluation, and here's the thing, it's not evaluation to condemn yourself, it's your evaluation to thank God of how much he's loved you. Your sins in your heart, your sins in your mind, your years of rebellion, when you're on fire for God and you took two years off and didn't pay any attention to him, the way you've treated people, the way you've had the chance to do good and you didn't, you had a chance to be generous and you didn't, you had the chance to serve someone and you were lazy, you'd rather watch TV. I mean, we just go through the list of all, it's good not to shame you, but to be like, oh my God, thank you so much. I guarantee if you take time this week and, and every morning when you wake up, you remind yourself of all the sins you've ever done and you say, thank you. I know some of us, yeah, yeah, right? Someone's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Why? Because we don't like intimacy. Oh, I don't want to go there. No, 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 go there. Because then you can say, thank you, Jesus. Because he says, he looks you in the eye and says, I've forgiven every single one of them. Now go and do likewise. I guarantee when people cut you off on the freeway, you're going to keep all your fingers to yourselves, right? You're not going to show them any fingers, right? I, I guarantee at work when someone just does something small and they didn't do it on time and you want it on time, you're not going to fire off being like, what's wrong with you? You're going to show a little grace. Why do we lack grace? We lack grace here because many of us lack grace here. Evaluate. When you have a ready and willing heart, that's the beginning, but it's not the end. Forgiveness hasn't happened yet. Let me ask you this. Has Jesus forgiven the whole world? I know. <laughs> I see some of you like, oh, I hate this church. Stop asking questions. Just preach and get done, right? It's a tough question. Like, I see you guys struggling. We know that God loves the world. All right, I'll give you that. That's an easy one, softball. 
Has he forgiven? Has a transaction of forgiveness taken place for the whole world? He has a a willing heart. He's ready to forgive. I I would say he, he doesn't even forgive those with a ready and willing heart. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because you can be sincere about feeling bad about your sin but never turning from it. I've seen people cry at church, Jesus, forgive me, and then go out and just eat, but I'm going to live my life. They acknowledge it, they don't receive it. Here's the thing, if the whole world's forgiven, like it's completed, everyone goes to heaven, you guys. And some of us in churches have that theology. I just can't imagine a God that will keep his boundaries. Well, that's because you're imagining God rather than letting God speak for himself. And we've got to stop imagining God. It's not make-believe. There's not a movie where it's like, oh, it's just all... No, no, no. Jesus already says, listen, I'm a God who wants to have a relationship. I love you, and I've done everything to pay off your debt. But if you think that you're going to pay off my debt, but I'm going to live my life how I want, the Bible's like, no, it doesn't work that way. And so there isn't forgiveness. What we have to understand is that love is unconditional. Forgiveness is completely conditional. This is very important, you guys. I know we're struggling right now, but it's very important. Why this is important is because for some of us, what we equate is if I don't forgive someone, then I I can't love them, and that's not true. We can love our enemies. The Bible says that. I can love someone who says, I will not change. Okay. And I can continue to try to love them towards forgiveness and towards repentance. I can do that. But forgiveness is a gift I give to someone who is humble and gets it rather than someone who is hypocritically arrogant. And there's all kinds of Bible passages that talk about that. Forgive those who want to turn. So how do we complete forgiveness? The second thing on your note sheet is this. It's going to come up here. It's completed by a responsible and repentant culprit. I I was going to say offender, but I didn't know what word to use. So It's the other person. So I know culprit sounds weird. It's completed by a responsible and repentant culprit. Okay, let me let God speak for him. Because some of you right now are like, Brian, I don't like you and I don't agree with you. Perfect, I understand. Let me let God speak for God. 1 John 1.9 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous so that He will forgive us. What does that say? When does He forgive us? When we confess. No confession. No forgiveness. There's multiple passages that say that. What is confession? I take responsibility. I did this, and I shouldn't have. That's a confession. A confession isn't that I'm bummed I got caught. It's that I'm bummed that I did it. Those are two different things. Parents, this is how we need to raise our kids. Show them how to do forgiveness. Take responsibility, not to keep them in shame, but actually to free them to repentance and renewed relationships. What did you do? You don't understand why you did it. Can you take responsibility? If you can't take responsibility, you can't ever repent. Because you're the victim, not the culprit or the offender. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us. Isaiah 55, 6-8. Great passage. Write that one down. Oh, it, it beautifully illustrates forgiveness. Isaiah 55, 6-8. Check this out. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Notice it's saying, call upon God while He's near. He's ready to forgive. He's near. 
He's not trying to run away, make it hard. I'm near you, but you got to call out. You need to seek. He said, let the wicked abandon their way. Don't say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why keep doing it? Abandon it, saying this isn't healthy, this isn't good. And the unrighteous person, his thoughts, let them abandon their unrighteous thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. Return, turn around, repentance. He will have compassion, for he will abundantly pardon. And this is where we get the popular passage. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. I don't know if you guys know that, but that means that passage is tied to forgiveness. People use that like, oh, God says my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. That's tied to forgiveness. The way we view forgiveness is so different than how God does it. He says, I do it in a real healthy way, not a fake manufactured way. Now, what's tough about this is forgiveness is different than trust. And that's, I think, where many of us struggle. Forgiveness is a one-time decision, but trust is built through a process of faithful repentance. There's a difference. God can forgive you, but not completely entrust things to you because you you haven't matured yet. You're forgiven, but you're not completely entrusted with things. So when we forgive someone, it doesn't mean that, okay, you have 100% trust now. No. Trust is built by continual repentance, right? Where you're consistent, you're faithful. But forgiveness is given in a one-time decision of releasing them from revenge or releasing them from having to be indebted to you. I've said this before, I just want to say it again because it's in my notes and so I should say it again. The gift of conditional forgiveness is that it changes the authentically humble and it reveals the arrogant. And that needs to be revealed because if someone is arrogant to give them forgiveness, that's where, uh, remember Jesus says, don't throw your pearls before swine. He's saying, don't give something valuable to someone that's just going to trample it. An arrogant person will trample your forgiveness. That's why in abusive situations, well, you got to forgive, and I'm like, baloney, you got to stop abusing. You're, you're, a, you're a pig right now just trampling on those pearls. And that, this is hard for us because this is why I encourage Christians, it's not always godly to forgive. It's always godly to love, but forgiveness is a gift given to those who are ready to humbly receive it and be changed. Now here's the toughest thing for us is, how do I not forgive someone? and then staying embittered towards them. And that's why what you have to do is, remember, God loved you before you loved Him. Remember? So you love someone before they love you. So how do I keep a soft heart? That's that relationship with God. When I realize how much He loved me before I loved Him, how much He's forgiven me, I can be patient with someone. And give forgiveness as a gift when they're ready for it, rather than throwing it out there and hoping... And then, here's the thing. Have you ever been a part of a relationship where someone says, hey, forgive me, but then they just keep doing it over and over again? And that's even more hurtful to us. So forgiveness is both a ready heart, but it's also a relational transaction. It's both. We All we can control is the ready heart. The other person has to participate for the full transaction. I want to wrap up with this. This is a powerful story. Um, Corey Ten Boom. How many of you guys know who Corey Ten Boom is? A lot of you do. If you haven't, um, what's the book? Uh, uh, the Hiding Place. I encourage you. It'll change your life. 
one of my top five books ever in my life. Corey Tinboom. She was a Holocaust survivor. Her whole family died. Before she was released from uh, the German concentration camp, her sister died, I think, two weeks before. Phenomenal story. I'm going to read a little bit about it, but it's in the context of this. Romans 12:18 says this, If possible, so as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. If possible, what does that mean? If there can be the transaction, the transaction of forgiveness, do it. Don't run away from it. Well, I don't know if I should believe them. Or they, it's, the, it's the tenth time they've asked for forgiveness. If they're sincere and they keep asking for it, keep giving it, the Bible says, right? Luke chapter, um, or Matthew chapter 18 talks about that. If someone keeps asking, keep giving it to them, right? So as, as if it depends on you, be at peace with people. Why is that important? This is why it's important. Forgiveness breaks completely the work of Satan. Unforgiveness is a work of Satan, a strategy of Satan. Forgiveness breaks completely the work of Satan who wants to keep us in bitterness, who wants to keep our offender in shame, and who wants to make our faith useless. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants your faith to be useless. He wants our relationship people to be filled with shame, and he wants us to be entrenched in bitterness. And forgiveness breaks those things. Corey Ten Boom in 1947 was at a church in Munich, not far from where she was held in a concentration camp. You read the story, you guys, you'll be blown away with the imagery. Her and her sister, literally, you can see the bones. You see um, her ribs. She would talk about in the stories, looking at her sister, and everything was pointy. They had no food. Death was all around them. And she's speaking at a church just miles away. You got the setting here? And she says that, then I saw this balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat. She writes in her book, a brown felt hat. Notice how she remembers every single thing about this guy, clutched between his hands. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with skull and crossbones. Memories of the concentration camp came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overlight, uh, overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. She was speaking at a church and recognized a guard that she had walked by naked as a little girl. He was listening to her. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment of skin. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home. Her whole family participated during the Nazi, uh, the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at uh, Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. He said, a beautiful message. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. She had just preached on God's forgiveness. It was the first time since my release, first time that she'd come face to face with one of her captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. Have you ever been there? Where you see someone and you just, the chills and just... Forgiveness is not that all is good emotionally. It's that all is good relationally. We mix that up. You will forgive people and still be in emotional turmoil. That's called being a human being. 
But we don't seek to always have emotional peace. We seek to have relational peace. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but since that time, I have become a Christian. I wonder if our hearts sank, like, not this guy. Not this guy. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I'd like to come to hear it from you as well. Again, his hand is still out in front. Will you forgive me, he asked as he looked at her. It could not have been more than many seconds that I stood there, but it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. I had to do it. I knew it. I st- still, I stood there with a coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is an act of the will, she writes, and, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. There's so much wisdom in her books, you guys. Read them. They're phenomenal. Every book she writes is amazing. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling, Jesus. And so woodenly and mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one that stretched out before me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place, she says. There was a healing warmth that seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And she said, Brother, I forgive you with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. She said, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Why? Because when you forgive someone who's hurt you deeply, you understand what Jesus had to go through on the cross when he forgave you. That's what it means to be a Christian. We're going to take time to reflect. I know there's a lot of things going through your mind. The worship team is going to come up now. and I just want you to reflect on, maybe for some of us, we need to reflect on God's love. Like, have I fully received it so I can, I can forgive because I struggle with it? And what I'd say is stop thinking about others. Think about God. Maybe for some of us, you're like, what? I need to think about how, I mean, maybe today it's like, I need to forgive. Or maybe today for some of us, it's like, I can't forgive because they're not ready, but I can love my enemy. And so just asking God to speak to you as we worship and as we just bathe in his forgiveness and love, that's why we take communion. And so I just encourage you to, to take communion with a thankful heart that all your sins are forgiven. And that frees you up then to break the chains of Satan as he's going to try to keep you bitter and to keep disharmony in your relationships, but forgiveness breaks all those things. So Jesus, we come before you now. And God, I just pray that we'd be a church that we do forgive often and we forgive deeply. I pray we'd be a church that when we do mess up, we own our sins and we look to repent rather than just feeling bad. And so Jesus, I pray that our relationships will be blessed in our families and with our friends. I pray that you be bring healing in this church and in our marriages and with our kids. And God, I pray that we could just be a shining light of you to this world. That they see someone who's humble. And God, we wouldn't look, worry about how we're perceived. If we need to cry and wash, <laughs> wash your feet with our tears, Lord, that we do that because we're thankful. We would not be that arrogant Pharisee standing saying, I'm not going to act like that. So God, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us how to do healthy relationships. We love you and we worship you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, 
please go to go to accesschurch.com. 